0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's up on a Monday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Rights podcast. It is a somehow another Sunday baseball conversation with Colin Brister as the rebels squander yet another opportunity by dropping two of three at Arkansas after, uh, really what feels like groundhog day, right? Terrific Dylan Delucia performance squander opportunities in the last two games and lose the series as the rebels have now lost. What is that? Three, four consecutive series. So we got into that kind of what it means. And, uh, you know, as if this last week was the final nail in the coffin, I think as we dubbed it, this is probably spreading dirt over it because uh, now you're just getting into where it's almost a mathematical impossibility that Ole Miss makes the postseason. Really, they're fighting to get into Hoover at this point. So, we got into all that, how it happened, the terrible situational hitting, and, uh, you know, I guess just another encapsulation of how this team got here. So, uh, interesting conversation, I guess, if you put uh, if you uh, put yourself through watching those three games this weekend we've also got the Friday show with Weldon Rodenberg did a little spring recap got that up a little later on Friday if you haven't checked that out uh please do so before we get to comment I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks who is Skybox Sports Picks well glad you asked so, the world's best gambling handicapping website the inventors of the Skybox matrix interval an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top in sports handicapping industry if you're in the wagering game, you need to check these guys out just because March Madness has slowed down does not mean Skybox has slowed down. we got the NBA package up on the site. Hit a couple more winners this weekend. I believe the MLB package goes up on the site this week. So be sure to check that out. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range, and they're going to guide you to profit more consistently than anyone else in the industry, and certainly more than your own brain. If uh, You don't want the bookie texting you on Sunday nights asking to square up, adding to your scaries. You don't want to be texting him asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Skybox is going to help you do that more consistently than anyone else. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range, whether that's month long, season long, you can go all sports, you can go sports center, I can recommend just using the all sports all year pass. It'll pay for itself. And then some, because when you do business with Skybox, it is an investment. So check them out. Use the promo code RIPP, ripPE for 20% off any purchase. That'll let them know we sent you and go profit. So, there we go. Skybox Sports Picks. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg there in Oxford. He wants to make your grilling experience great. Right now, if you're a Rippy Ride subscriber, that's rippyrides.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me a couple of times a week and then discounted meats. Right now, it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. That's a hell of a way to kickstart your grilling weekend. The weather's getting better, or the weather is better. The weather is warm. It is prime grilling season. You don't want to go outside, throw something on the grill, watch all the great sporting events on, throw something on there from LB's. You won't be sorry you did. It'll be better than anywhere else. Greg wants to make your grilling experience great. All kinds of different cuts in there. Uh, all, fresh seafood, uh, sausages, uh, love the sides, the crab stuff, mushrooms, all kinds of delicious stuff over there. Go find your own favorites at LB's. Been serving the Oxford community there for almost two decades now. And uh, an absolute treat. Uh, in the town, check them out there, LB's University Avenue in Oxford. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. This is our usual Groundhog Day conversation coming on Sunday. Uh, Ole Miss loses two of three to Arkansas. Um, honestly, you know, we talked about last week, uh, you know, with the the future of this podcast in terms of like the how we talked about this team. Like, are we going to do our normal like series recap and preview and all that? And then they win the Friday game. I was like, okay, well, this gives them a chance. You got two opportunities to win one to kind of keep the postseason hopes alive. And then it played out like really the last six series have played out. It was groundhog day once again. Um, Yeah. I don't even have a question in there. What's up? Uh, Yeah. It's, it's uh, so this is where I'm at with this baseball
2: team. Right. So um, usually like I'm pretty locked in, like pretty emotionally invested just especially this time of year, man, like, Hey, you're in your seventh series, and usually, I mean, what since 2016? Ole Miss hasn't played a postseason game on the road, so I'm like pretty locked in. Like, hey, what did they gotta do to get a national seed and all that? Um, we've had a playoff game on Friday night on the road. I forgot this is God, honest to God truth. Um, we get on the bus at like 9 30. I forgot Ole Miss existed and woke up at like midnight when we got home and was like, oh, they won. How about that? That, uh, that is where we are with Ole Miss Baseball right now.
1: Yeah, it was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it really is. I uh I mean obviously so I didn't have much going on this week and I was home in Dallas for the first time in about a month and but I I was the same way. There was, you know, you had the uh what I guess that was Grizz Timberwolves game six on Friday night. And so that's really what like if I didn't have anything to do. So that was kind of what my uh I would say sports night was planned around watching and I kind of debated. I was like, am I going to waste time watching this game in this series again? And I was like, all right, whatever. I don't have anything going on. I'll do it. And they beat Connor. Nolan. doing Delucia was awesome again. And this, I feel like this is the first weekend where I didn't try to fool myself. I was like, okay, they always win the Delucia game. Let's actually yep. see, you know, how the rest of this plays out. And of course it played out in such a predictable manner, which it's a shame because Doing Delucia has been incredible, and we talked about Doug McKezy kind of carrying two teams on his back. It it this will end up irrelevant because the team stinks and it won't end up mattering. But like, if if that's carrying a team on his back, what is what is Delucia doing? I guess does it count as so, team losing? Like he's 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 unbelievable. Won seven SEC games and he's
2: started four of them. Is that right? Have that alright?
1: That is correct. He has uh four of the wins. Yep. Uh, Nick Suss had a nice comparison over the weekend. I think I saw Under- that. See if I can find it real quick. It was basically four-game stretches comparing, like, Doug and Gunner and Delusia. Etheridge, yeah. Yeah, it was an Etheridge in there, too. Just over the last couple of years, four-game stretches by pitchers. And Delusia was every bit as dominant as all of them. Nikhazy kind of had a little bit more of, like, you're just not hitting him at all. But in terms of just, like, workhorse and compiling innings, Delusha's thrown 30 innings his last four outings. That was by far – so he compared Nikhazy, Hoagland, Etheridge, Rollison in there. The 30 innings was by far almost by four complete innings. Um, And it's a shame that it's not getting utilized. He's basically handing them the opportunity in every game one, and they keep squandering it.
2: Yeah, well, um, I I saw you had to fight this over the weekend. Um, It's almost um, like Delusio on one side is doing everything he can, and then Tim Elko from an offensive perspective is doing everything he can, and they're just like looking around at pretty much everyone else like, what the hell, guys, except for maybe Jacob Gonzalez. Um, it's just you know they're looking around at literally everybody else. It's it's pretty much pitching staff wise right now. It's Brendan Johnson and uh, Dylan Delusion, and then offensively it's Jake Gonzalez and and Tim Oko, and then everybody else is just looking around at each other like, what are we doing?
1: It's 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 not great. Like it's it's I don't even really know what to say. It's Groundhog Day as as we keep pointing out. Like literally every series is playing out the exact same way. I kind of wrote this in last Monday's or I guess yeah Monday Monday's newsletter. Like, didn't – after the state series, I was like, didn't this feel predictable? And then I basically just took eight steps that started with, uh, you know, Delush is awesome on Friday. Offense has a chance to take control of the game Saturday. Doesn't. Pitching's not good enough on Sun uh, game three. And they lose the series because they fall behind early. The only difference in this one was is the pitching was great all weekend. They uh, didn't fall yep. behind in either of the final two games. Weren't playing out of a hole. Just the offense was that futured, And, you know, if you need a series to provide – you know, crystal clear evidence of just how bad this offense is. I felt like this one was a perfect example and kind of encapsulation of everything that's wrong with this offense. And, you know, I keep saying it, but it's a shame because the opportunity to kind of turn – change the conversation regarding your postseason hopes was absolutely there, and they just didn't take it.
2: Yep. Situationally, offensively, they're horrible. Um, what well, they had the – what was it on Saturday? They had second and third, nobody out, didn't score bases loaded nobody out they scored one first and second nobody out they didn't score it's just like I, I don't I don't know man it's just bad of a offense from a moving the baseball perspective I've ever seen if you actually look at their conference like OPS they're not atrocious Um, probably average to middle of the pack but um, and, and I know this is kind of hypocritical me saying this but you know stats sometimes um, don't tell the whole story like stats don't tell you Hey, what did you do with a guy on third and less than two outs? And a lot of the time, Ole Miss doesn't get that guy in. Um, you know, stats can tell you a, a lot of them, a, a lot of things. But, you know, you look at this team, has got it like I think a 780 SEC OPS, which is not awful. But when it's time to do a job, they just simply do not get it done. Um, and I don't know what the reasoning is for that. I, I'd be interested if, if if Clement or Bianco had an answer to it, but uh, it's it's been atrocious for about a month and a half now. That's for sure.
1: It really has. Let's uh, like, I feel like last week we bounced around a little bit. I kind of had actually wrote down like a little bit of a plan to, for <laughs> how this podcast is going to go. Even though I mean, in terms of just how the series played out, like it's fairly predictable. Uh, let's start with Delusio though, because I don't feel like we've done enough on that in the last couple weeks. Because by the time you and I talk on Sundays for this podcast it's been pretty much rendered moot. It's like, yeah, Delusia was awesome, but all this other bad stuff. He's been as good as really anyone's been for Ole Miss in the last four to five years is that Nick Sustat uh, outlined. He had it on Twitter. I won't read the whole thing because it just will sound impossible audio-wise. It's just something you'll need to go look at. But he was incredible again, and he's preserved the bullpen. And I'll frame it to you this way. I was talking to Chase about this on Saturday um, just on the phone how much credit versus blame do you give Mike for the delusia thing? How much credit do you give him for moving guys and figuring it out? I sided I toward blame too. And how much blame do you give him for having a Friday guy and not being able to identify him? Because I feel like this was just – maybe it's revisionist history, but I remember in the fall him having a pretty good fall and thinking, oh, this is a possibility. And Mike never entertained it until the third week of SEC play. Um, and didn't feel like he gave much of a shot in the preseason. You just gave a short answer, but I'll throw it to you. Why is it more blame? I agree for that. Um, okay. Who was
2: the Friday night guy at the beginning of the year?
1: Derek Diamond.
2: Did you believe that when Ole Miss started this season on February the, what, 19th, 18th, that Derek Diamond would be Ole Miss's Friday guy at uh, when May rolled around? Did you believe that two months ago?
1: No, I didn't. I mean, I was okay. trying to come up with a more nuanced answer, but the answer is no, and it really wasn't even close. You know what I mean?
2: Okay. So, you you knew, it, or or anyone was you know that followed this program probably knew that Derek Diamond was not the answer on Friday night. Felt like Mike kind of either tried to do two things at the beginning of the year: give the guy that's been in the program his shot at it, or to mask the issue with some inferior opponents and try to get into s c c play and figure it out. However your your job is your job and and he did a very bad job at identifying what look anyone should have known that uh Derek Diamond was not going to be the Friday night guy for this team most people did you could have trotted out Dylan Delucci you could have trotted out a lot of different guys and tried to figure that out um, rather than just running him to the hill what four three weekends in a row um on Friday night and 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 saying that you know, pretending like that was going to be your guy when May rolled around when we all knew it was not. So that's why I give more blame. It's not even that um, he didn't identify him. I mean, it is that, but it's that you knew you had an issue and you just tried to skate by until it the issue, you know, exasperated itself.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Oh, uh, no, that's a perfect way to put it because it works twofold as well because DeLucia wasn't very good out of the bullpen at the beginning of the year, if you'll sure. And, like, it, it, it was a – I would say it was deceiving from a number standpoint. Like, he'd actually been okay, but he had that bad outing. I can't remember if it was Or Roberts. I think he had a really crappy one against Arkansas State way early back in February that inflated his numbers. And, you know, I guess – well, hindsight's 2020, and I guess I can't absolutely just, like, crush the guy for not having Dylan Delucia in the rotation from day one because, you know, we didn't sit here on this podcast and say Dylan Delucia should be in the rotation from day one. But, you know – you saw him struggle a little bit in the Charleston Southern opener. He got knocked around pretty good um, against Arkansas State. And then he had that long relief outing in game – I think it was game two against UCF where he was really, really good, struck out six, that close game that Ole Miss lost. But That was, was three.
2: It was three. It was three, was, wasn't it? And they won it.
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. That's exactly what it was. It was the finale and they won it. And that was the first time you saw him in extended relief and so I guess what I'm getting at is you knew, like, that was kind of a longer outing. He clearly, by the numbers, had looked better in that than, like, more high-leverage relief situations. I just don't understand why you wouldn't entertain it at that point. Like you mentioned, it felt like it was putting off a problem, and it worked to the detriment of the pitching staff as a whole, but also Delucia for him having to go out early in the year and throw in those uh, kind of – you know, typical uh, late-inning reliever spots that clearly didn't suit him because he's a different pitcher when he gets uh, extended relief or starts than he is, you know, when he comes in in the seventh, with particularly with runners-on as well, is something I noticed. But it, it worked to the detriment of, like, him individually and the team. So that's why I, I side blame more, too.
2: Um, yeah, but here's the thing, right? Um, if – let's just pretend – Dylan Delucia is the Friday night guy. Let's pretend let's pretend he was the Friday night guy to open the year. Doesn't change a whole lot. They win the Alabama game, I think. Um, but but this team is still bad outside of it. Um, outside of him. Um I I guess what I'm saying is, you know, you're going back through the starts or whatever, if if Dylan Delucia starts the Alabama game, they probably win. Um and instead of seven and fourteen, they're eight and thirteen. But you still have the plethora of problems that surrounds this team right now, um, and it's re- recruiting misvaluations. It's it's a bad managerial decision. It's, um, you know, so as awesome as he's been, um, and, and, and you know, we can talk about should he have been in the rotation at the beginning. And the answer, obviously, at this point, is yes. Um, There's still you know, had that been the case, they're still eight and thirteen in the league instead of seven and fourteen. That's just how bad this team is right now.
1: No, you're right. like it, it ultimately wouldn't have changed a ton. The one counter I could present to that is is if they have some stability from a starting pitching standpoint, um, like if you have that lockdown guy in dilution, everyone gets bumped back a day. Is there a world where it makes finding the last two slots a little bit easier, and then this look i i, I can't I can't put even just a quarter of the blame of how bad this offensive offense has been at this point on the bad pitching staff, but there was a point in this year where it was clear to the offense was pressing. I I think about that really that late March stretch of sec play into the first weekend of April or so um, that they were pressing because they knew they weren't getting much length on the mound, really right around the time uh, they put Delucia in the rotation against Kentucky kind of around there. Like, would that have helped this offense from a mentality standpoint a little bit? Uh, For lack of a better phrase, you know, not fry their brain. I don't know if it would have made much of a difference, but that's the only counter I can offer. But I tend to agree (laughs) at the end of the day, it wouldn't have made a ton of difference. But, man, when you look at, you know, if you were sitting here listening to this, and I don't think there's many people out there that are saying, no, he should get more credit for moving Mike, uh, like for moving guys around and finding Delusha in SEC play. He probably does deserve a little bit of credit, but it's certainly more blame. The tie—if there was a tiebreaker—the tiebreaker for me is that he goes six and a third at Kentucky and doesn't earn the right to do it again the next week against Alabama because he was yeah. that whole "we don't have starters, we just have pitchers" thing at that point. That—that that seals the deal on this uh, debate, if you want to call it that, for me.
2: You know what kind of sucks? Um, yeah, you're right. Here's what kind of sucks: is after this weekend, it's like we said all year. Hey, I think Mike will probably figure out the pitching thing, and after this weekend, kind of- he kind <laughs> of figured out the pitching thing. They just can't hit worth a damn. Um, which uh, God, uh, I don't know, it's but it, they have kind of figured out the pitching thing a little bit. Um, and and wow, well, they're atrocious offensively. Yep. Um, that's the stick of fork
1: in a aspect, they're done, right? Like, you could, you if the offense was still fine and they were figuring out the pitching stuff part of it, I don't think they'd be seven yeah. 14. I think they'd be like, no. well, I don't know, nine and 12, somewhere around there. Is that fair?
2: Yeah. Yeah, nine and twelve and look, nine and twelve would suck, but you would you would be making the it. postseason probably. Yeah, you'd be making the postseason if you're nine and twelve. because um, I think they're actually gonna win the series this weekend against Missouri. And no, I don't. No, I don't. I'm not gonna say that. Um, <laughs> Missouri's got a short for this. Um, months ago. Yeah. Missouri's got a shortstop from Mississippi that just made it made it his mission to beat Mississippi State. I am sure he will uh, keep that mission alive um, when he comes to Oxford, Mississippi next weekend. So, yeah, it's as it's as bad as I've ever seen it. Um, just from a just from an offensive standpoint, you know. Look, they weren't they're not as bad as they were in twenty seventeen, um, but like they're more frustrating from an offensive perspective than they were in 2017, because at least in 2017, I knew, okay, this group's going to be okay. Like, I could watch Thomas Dillard swing, and I'm like, look, he's bad right now, but he's going to be awesome. Um, and the same thing with the great cast during Cole Zabowski and Nick Fortes and, and, and that group. But And you look at this group, and it's like, these cats are leaving. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're not returning a whole lot from a, an experience standpoint next year, and, man, um, they stink. So it's, uh, it's as bad as I've seen it from an offensive perspective as far as, you know, how, how you feel about them.
1: Yeah, you're right. And I think that's a good way to describe it in terms of it being more frustrating. And I don't remember off the top of my head, like what the 17 offense looked like toward the end of the year. I do remember it being the same thing to where it's like, all right, it's a bunch of young guys, Cooper Johnson, Greg Kessinger, Thomas Dillard, that are kind of figuring it out and they will probably end up being Okay. And they had moments like they where they were pretty we held four, five years to this weekend, to the day. Shout out to Facebook Memories for uh, providing me with that one. They went and kind of rejuvenated their season by winning a rain – it wasn't rain-shortened, a rain-pushed-up um, series double-decker weekend at Arkansas. Arkansas was like the top five yep. team in the country. Ole Miss has that ridiculous James MacArthur outing on – you know, out. wasn't this a Thursday and then they played a so, double Friday? Because That's
2: correct. They played, played a doubleheader Friday uh, during the day, and then uh, they played it like during the day. They played, so that series was over. I swear to God, I remember this. They played on Thursday night. They played a doubleheader on Friday at 12 and then at 3. That series was over before mo- for anybody else in the conference threw a pitch that weekend.
1: Yeah, I remember that because I was there, and it was too late for me to drive home from Fayetteville because it was so long. But I went to bed at like seven and then drove woke up at like four a.m. and was back in Oxford by ten for double decker weekend because that series was already over. <laughs> but like those that team really had no business going up there, but they toughed it out. They scored a bunch of runs on Friday. They almost won the third game, too. They almost got they a did. And that team at that point wasn't near as I don't know if talented's the right word, but they weren't near as good as what this team was supposed to be. But they took advantage of some situational hitting. They got one good outing on Friday night. Sound familiar? or in game one, I guess that was a Thursday night, and took advantage of it. And I guess what I'm getting at is that team had moments, and this offense has had moments early on in the year, but if you look at their last, I don't know, you want to go their last three weekends? Four runs on uh, game one against Alabama, ten in game two, can't knock them for that, three in game three, nine against South Carolina, two and eight, whatever you want to make of that. But then it's like four, seven, six, five, four, three, and then three again today. Like, they, they, they haven't come up to putting up a really good offensive performance, like really good one, really since, like, game one at Carolina. Um, You know, game three, I guess I'll give them credit for that finale at Carolina, but you remember how bad the situational hitting was in the late-ending parts of that one? Yep. They just, they've been horrific, and I guess that's as good a transition as any because what was confusing – I won't say confusing. When they won on Friday night, I was trying to th- – I was thinking about it. I was like, is this different at all? And I-, I settled on no. But one of the reasons that I thought, okay, maybe a little bit, They're- their approach was better on Friday night against Connor Nolan. Now, was it a masterpiece by any stretch? No, but they won the game without hitting a home run. You know, they scored four runs against a pretty good SEC Friday night guy. You know, at this point with the guys left, I would say among the better ones. Connor Nolan's been really mm-hmm. here. They're, you know, they had some bad strikeouts. They looked silly at points, but they moved the ball well. They didn't have any horrendous situational hitting, and that felt like how a good offense beats a good Friday night guy if they have the pitching to back it behind them. So I was like, okay, that looked a little bit better. And then to say Saturday was the polar opposite would be the understatement of this entry. There's been a lot of bad ones. Saturday has to be the worst one, right? I, I Honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen that. They had seven guys on with no outs in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning combined and scored one run. Um, if we have a nerd out there listening, what do you think the statistical probability of only getting one run in that scenario is?
2: Uh, it'd be pretty, pretty freaking low. <laughs>
1: That's what I said. Well,
2: I think I – think, so this, this encapsulates, I think, where the season is at. Um, I believe it was the eighth inning. And the first two guys had reached – and and Hayden Dunhurst comes up, and he tries to bunt. If I had told you in February, with the game on the line, Hayden Dunhurst is going to be bunting, I would have said, what the hell happened to this team? You know? Like, why why is that guy giving an out away? And it's like, well, because he's hitting 220 with 680 OPS. That's why. And then I would have been very confused. Um,
1: You're right. Know, did you hate it in that moment? Like, were No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really either. I hated it when he did it a second and a third time when clearly that kid, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, could not throw a strike. That was what was frustrating. After sure. we got to 1-0, I was like, okay, now stop.
2: Yeah, yeah. As yeah. uh, bad as I've ever seen. It. All right. And, and, and what's sad is, like, you know, look, I, I think this team obviously should be better, but this team is, is 7-14. and Had you told me two months ago, hey, Ole Miss is going to lose 14 games um, in the SEC, you know, I, at the end of the year. I said, wow, I really underachieved. And they've lost 14 games in 21 SEC games. And, uh, that was not on my radar two months ago, if I'm honest.
1: Wasn't on mine either. It's uh, it's pretty jarring. I mean, I guess just for the horror show's sake, I think that's what I described it on Twitter on Saturday. <laughs> you go through it. Seventh inning, Chardonnay's hit by a pitch. That yep. was. You know, Roger, I mean, look, that was as productive as he's been in quite some time. Van Cleve, pinch hit <laughs> double. At that point, Van Cleve had, had a hit in four of his last five pinch hit appearances. We can discuss that in a minute, but, like, he doesn't strike out. And he had a pinch hit performance today where he hit the baseball hard. He just sailed on him a little bit, and it was a line out or whatever. So, there now – you God knows he can't hit that out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sport second, and, second and third, no out. Bench struck out. At that point, I was like, this is not going to end well.
2: That that was the at-bat. That was the at-bat because if you just hit a ground ball to shortstop, it's tie game. Arkansas is playing back. Um, and then you strike out and you let them have an opportunity to get out of the inning.
1: And Taylor's numbers against lefties had been pretty damn good. Yep. And then you get the fielder's choice uh, from Gonzalez. They intentionally walk Elko in a pop-up. And you're like, wow, that felt – I mean, I thought at that point – I thought it... – I was like, okay, they're going to tie it. Can they actually get kind of the hit to get it across? Nothing. Then we go to the eighth inning, and this might have been the worst one. Alderman walk, McCants walk, Dunhurst walk. Taylor's now out, and they bring in Tiger. Chatney double play about his, uh, about his, uh, you
2: know, routine as it gets.
1: Yes, it is. And then Leatherwood strikes out on three pitches. They went from that being a three to two game, or was it three three at this point?
2: It was three. It was three to two. Uh, it was three to three after Chatigny hit the ground ball. It was 3-2 right. before
1: that. 3-2 game, at that point, though, when the bases were loaded with no outs, it walked them. You've got Tiger in, who he'd struggled. He was a little better locating on uh, Saturday, but struggled with location on Sunday. Bases loaded, no outs, and you went in a matter of, what, four pitches from really having the chance to grab the game by the balls to in, almost inexplicably game still over. beat down heading into the ninth inning. I mean, that – when. The, <laughs> That, I don't know. I don't know enough adjectives to describe it. It is so bad. What do you think was the worst at bat in there? Out of the three innings, it's almost to me the the uh, bench strikeout.
2: Oh, it's bench. Yeah. I, I look. You can get mad at Chatney, and I was I was pretty frustrated. Um, but Chatney was, and, and I'll give him a little bit of credit to this. Chatney has had some issues striking out, and he had just saw bench strike out in this situation, and his mindset was, "By God, I am going to put this in play." And tie the game. Now, look, did he, did you need to ground into a double plate? No, obviously, you'd prefer to ground ball. But I have a tough time getting mad at him when he's had the strikeout propensity that he has this year, when he just decided, I'm going to choke up and put it in play and tie this game up. Um, no, the the worst at bat in there was benches. It was, it was, that was as bad as it gets. Um, and I hate to rag on benches because he's been invaluable for Ole Miss over his career, but that one was, oof, that was really bad.
1: Can I go honorable mention? Tiger walks uh, the two guys to start the ninth. Elko strikes out, and <laughs> I got in unfortunately an internet squall with some idiot talking about how Elko is, can't hit breaking balls and is a huge problem with this team. I think you got a
2: you got a fourteen hundred SCC OPS or something, but he's the issue.
1: That is correct. He is the issue now. Has he struggled a little bit against some sharper breaking balls? Sure, but that's kind of the name of the game. Who like what good hitter absolutely destroys good breaking balls on a regular basis? Like if
2: I mean, Tim, if the rest of this freaking team was doing what they were supposed to be, you would not be complaining about Tim.
1: Thousand percent. So he strikes out, and then you have two on, and then Graham grounds into the double play on the first pitch. <laughs> It's still the bench at bat, but, like, that kid had really, really struggled to locate. You yep. know, Elko had gotten ahead 2-0 and before it was a couple of uh, – uh, I think he looked at a couple breaking balls and then swung through the third. I mean, you hit into the double play where that kid had thrown – I don't know, let's see. That's four balls in five pitches. That's seven balls in nine pitches. And then that would be nine balls in 13 pitches. Um, and you strike out – and you ground into a double play on the first pitch. That wasn't a great one either. No,
2: no, and isn't it perfect that the kid that Ole Miss didn't show interest to just shoved it down their throat twice to close games out? That was that was perfect too.
1: That's not what you want. I would say that is suboptimal to use the word I used to use on radio. But to, to, we talk about situational hitting and situational baseball. It really extends to situational awareness. I don't want to crap on Gonzalez because he and Elko are kind of exempt from being the center or the nucleus of the problem. Sure. But you're a baseball coach. Didn't, were you not just screaming why as soon as the, uh, they allowed the 4-3 double play on a tag out? Why didn't he just stop? Oh,
2: that was I atrocious. That. I forgot about that. The situational yeah. awareness can't, beyond the hitting is so bad. There yeah and and people say well he didn't get tagged okay he was out of the baseline one um two he got tagged but like just stop back up make him throw that ball to a second and he's got another at bat um good lord that was so bad so so and i get it split second decision but i mean it's pretty rudimentary baseball play well crap's sake my high school kid did it um Friday night, it, it, you cannot let them just tag you and make the throw there. Uh, it, that was bad, very, very, very bad.
1: I was watching that game at a uh, like a sports bar down the street from my house with a couple of buddies, <laughs> and when that happened, like they were mad about the double play, and I was like, Gonzalez could have played dead, and they'd have had another at bat. Like he could just
2: <laughs> no, they wouldn't have. No, let's be clear, they would not have gotten a hit
1: and said it bad. God, no, God, I said, it, said another no. bad though. Hey, just you know, another. <laughs> I mean, look at a wild pitch. yeah exactly or something like that look when they got down uh when they got three two and they didn't get the run in the seventh at that point my mindset was was okay if they're going to win this game they do have six chances to hit one over the fence (laughs) but i I, i'm dead serious like that was like okay we'll have six chances to hit one over the fence but it extends beyond the hitting it really is just bad situational awareness in general and like I mean, like you said, you know, debate whether he actually got tagged or not, it should have never been for debate. He was probably out of the baseline, but the fact that the guy had the opportunity to tag him <sighs> to do that is, is just so, so bad. And Ole Miss
2: is now 1-13 and in in, uh, I believe that's right. No, no, incorrect. 1-14 in, in SEC games where they have fallen behind. If they fall behind, they
1: do not win the game. That is a telltale sign of just a bad baseball team.
2: That's uh, I just went through it in my head. I'm I'm 95% sure they uh, cause yeah they uh they don't win if they get behind. I mean hell they can come back and catch up and take the lead. Doesn't matter. They uh they'll figure out a way to blow it. Um, so yeah, definitely definitely not a uh, not what Ole Miss needs. It's um, it's to the point like we're not talking about making the NCAA tournament. We're talking about making the one in Hoover at this point.
1: Doesn't that feel like an irrelevant conversation too? Because even if they get there, like what does it matter?
2: No, I mean Delusia can win on Tuesday and you can go play two more games, but other than that, who cares?
1: They stranded twenty six runners this weekend. That's not good, is it? Arkansas
2: like walked the freaking park all weekend and somehow almost didn't score, which was one of the more impressive things that I have ever seen.
1: Um, I believe Chase had the number uh I think they walked eighteen guys in the final two games and they won both of them. Arkansas. And it
2: and they and they shut almost. It wasn't like they won it twelve to eleven, like the Sunday game in Oxford last year. Um
1: no, no. <laughs> they scored six runs in the <laughs> they got eighteen free passes in the final two games and they uh they scored six runs.
2: That was, was great. They scored six whole runs. Um if you had told me before the series that Arkansas was going to score ten, uh, you know, whatever it was, then four and then six and then two, if Arkansas was going to score twelve runs, like, well, crap, I'll miss is going to win a series and figure it out. And no, they did. They, of course, they didn't. Why would they?
1: They were. You want to do some out loud math because I should have pulled this up beforehand, but uh, just hand up, I forgot to uh, look this up. You want to do the runners in scoring position on the weekend?
2: Oh God. Um if you, if you can give me the total number of at-bats, I think I could probably get close.
1: No, so I got it up on StatCast, but I just got to go okay. game by game. Um, runners in scoring position in the 6-3 uh, walk-off. Be Saturday, yeah. Yeah, they were 0 for 13. Uh,
2: really, really bad.
1: Oh, I found a pin. No, no, we can do that. We can do I was. I went to my uh, school. We can do this on the fly. They were two for 18 with runners on in said game. That probably won't cut it either. In the finale that they lost four to three, they were two for six with runners in scoring position. So, you know. Just, that, well, that
2: means they didn't get any there.
1: So That is correct. Three for 16 with runners on. In the Dylan DeLucia Friday night win, they were – Three for 11 in runners with scoring position, that's better. not But that, that kind of speaks to the better approach, right? Sure. That's not I mean, look, that's 273. That's not necessarily anything to write home about. But, unfortunately, they were five for 18 with runners on. That's pretty pedestrian stuff. So, that puts them at 10 for 52 with runners on base. And that is
2: below 200. Yeah,
1: you no, know, that's, that's not what you want. Um, you you would prefer to be better than that. I could probably start one of those coaches' clinics deal um, by coming <laughs> to that deduction. Um, and then you go thirty. Oh, buddy, are you ready for the runners and scoring position stat? Oh God, seven for forty-eight. That uh, that's, that's
2: a lot less than two hundred. That's like one fifty territory.
1: It may be worse than that. I mean, look, I'm. What's one seventh? People are, I bet people are just loving this that we're doing a live math lesson on a podcast. That'd be
2: 146.
1: Yeah, that is below 150. Good call. That's, uh, that's not what you want either. I don't really know what else we need to say about the offense or whatever. <sighs> I do that out loud. I forgot to do it right before we recorded. I had them pulled up and then just forgot to add it up. <laughs> Look, you remember a lot of Ole Miss baseball stuff. I use your stat spreadsheet every year. Try to put into words how bad that is. Or how hard that uh, is to do, whichever way you want to go with
2: it. To hit one forty six on a weekend with guys in scoring position?
1: Yes. Like like sometimes you just have the bad
2: game, right? Like, hey, you get a bunch of guys on, you can't get a man like it happens. When when it happens over the course of a weekend and then really kind of the course over three weekends, it's a problem. Um, I don't know if it's pressing, I don't know if it's a problem, I don't know what it is, but but it's uh it's bad. It's really, really bad. You talk about the stat spreadsheet I use. This is how check. I haven't updated that thing all year. That's um, that's <laughs> I swear to God I haven't. I have a, a friend that checks and he does it so I haven't looked at it all year. It's a pissed off I am this team. Uh, not this team, that's not fair to the kids, but just the general that Ole Miss is struggling. Um,
1: yeah, just the state of yeah, I know what you meant. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's um no, it's bad. It's bad. They can't move the baseball. They can't like when's the last time you remember Ole Miss hitting a sacrifice fly? Oh, man. Like, they don't have those at-bats. You know, they don't just hit the ground ball to second to get the guy in from third with less than two outs. Um, I guess technically shot me, I did yesterday, but that was more bad than it was good. But that
1: um, is not as an RBI because it's a double play, correct? No, 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 it doesn't, um, which I think is dumb, by the
2: way, but that, that's, that's it's not, you know, germane to the topic. Uh, but almost just doesn't have good at-bats with guys on. It's not like, oh, they're hitting into bad luck. No, they don't have good at-bats. Frankly, they don't have good at-bats uh, continuously through the game. Um, so runners on or runners in scoring position is somewhat irrelevant to the fact that their approach is just God-freaking awful. Um, so, obviously, their approach continues with guys on base um, and guys in scoring position. I don't know what's happening. I really, really don't. Um, I thought – and I still do. I think Mike Clement's a good hitting coach, and I know I'll take some heat from that. Um he's had really, really good offenses at Ole Miss. And obviously this is one of his worst with, with most of the players back. Um, so I, I don't know what's happened. I really, really wish I, someone would give an answer. Um, but, you know, obviously we're not going to get one at this point in time. It's uh, – I, I don't I, – I, I'm at a loss for words for how, how this offense has gone from one of the best in the country to, frankly, one of the worst in the league.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, I'm the, what gets me at a loss for words is is pinpointing why and how because it doesn't really make sense. Like, we keep comparing this to 2017, but it kind of made sense that those guys struggled for the reasons that we outlined earlier in the show. Um, and this one just doesn't really make any sense at all. Look, TJ McCants has had a tough year. He's dealing with a lot. you had a tough year for McCants. He's dealing with a lot. But, like, the – the and Kevin Graham, I guess, got disrupted for the injury. I guess you can find excuses in some of them, but, like, Chatagnier has been terrible. Dunhurst has been really bad. It's just – it doesn't compute because the only one they lost was was they they basically replaced Kemp Alderman, who's actually been really good. I say really good. That's strong. He had a good first month and a half SEC play. He struggled lately, although you know he drove in two um, in the loss today. But like, I guess what I'm getting at is like, it doesn't make any sense. They traded out Kale Baker for uh for Kemp Alderman, and they're worse. Here's a hot take: should Kale, should they have kept Kale Baker? <laughs> I kid, that doesn't make any sense, but that's the point. It doesn't make any sense. Why, why? That's what I struggle with. I struggle with the why I don't understand it, but it's clearly who they are at this point. You know, we talked about after the Tennessee series and even them struggling in Kentucky, you know, the, I think this offense will be fine. They're just pressing. Well, now it's abundantly clear. It's who they are. And that's the mystifying part about all this, because as you smartly pointed out a couple of uh, a few minutes ago, Mike actually kind of has figured out the pitching staff. It's not great but he's found enough guys that can contribute to where it's okay. And now it's just like, now that it's figured out, it's completely moot because the offense is terrible. And there was no scenario. This team was ever going to be any good with the offense being really just average, but they're bad. And that's, that's- been kind of the death knell for this group. You know, if you want to put percentages of blames, it's officially, I mean, what do you want to go 75, 25 on the offense now? I know that that seems harsh given the beginning of the year, but, Man, they'd be a 500 team in the league if the offense was decent. Because of Delucia.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, a fun game you want to play. Higher OPS uh in 2020. Kel Baker or Peyton Chatney?
1: I feel like the answer is Kel Baker just because of the way the question's structured, but that's still mind-blowing. It's it's Kel Baker. And I hate
2: Peyton cracking on Peyton. Peyton plays hard and does his best. He's just had a tough offensive year. Um, and something else that you look, um, this is Peyton's second turn through the SEC. Sometimes this happens. Um, I, I still think Peyton Jatney is going to be a good baseball player before he leaves Ole Miss. Um, maybe I'm crazy in that thinking, but I, I do think before he leaves Ole Miss, he will be a uh, decent commodity within Ole Miss's lineup. I don't necessarily think he's a one or two hole hitter, but I do think he's a guy that you can put in the six, seven, or seven, eight, nine hole in. He can be completely competent there. Um, but like for everyone else, uh, I mean, unless I, unless. You can tell me I'm wrong. I, I don't expect Kevin Graham back. Um I don't I don't know anything about TJ McCants, but he's a draft eligible kid and and look, he's had a he's had a tough year offensively, but he's still got all the tools in the world and will be probably pretty highly regarded as a player um in this year's draft. I don't I don't know about Justin Bench. I guess what I'm getting at is like I don't know if they expect a whole lot of these guys back. Um So you would expect with that being the case to have a mature and veteran approach (laughs) for, you know, the the thing about a mature and veteran approach is like when things go poorly, you don't change everything. You don't freak out. Um, And it just kind of senses like there's been a lot of freak out with this team this year.
1: Yeah, I think that's well put. And that's, uh, that's kind of the shocking part of all of it. And then honestly, on Friday, I didn't think they were completely terrible defensively. Um, but like they had, there's a ball and foul play where bench and uh bench and Gonzalez ran into each other. There's one other play where it's like, how do you not make that play? But contrastly with how good Arkansas was defensively, I mean that that the double play, the second baseman turned today in one of those middle innings was an incredible play, and you kind of just got to. I think it was Gonzalez that hit the ball hard at the guy, and he just made a great play. Like Ole Miss doesn't have those either. Um, oh. No. It, it, it's, it's, it's the contrast of defenses on the field to me was very jarring and very evident as well. And like, that's another aspect of it too, to where like, if you're struggling offensively and your average pitching wise and you suck defensively, I think you just suck. Um, if you want to make a list of positives this weekend, Reagan Burford did not make an error.
2: because he didn't start, but yeah.
1: Yeah. He also uh, didn't uh, play uh, other than a pinch running situation, but Hey, it, 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 facts only. He didn't make an error. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so oh, they got echoed for him. It, uh, I wonder then, if Austin Anderson made an error this weekend. Uh
1: I don't think he did. And I don't think he tweeted either. So um I guess just call it a win. Well actually,
2: actually we could we can see if Austin tweeted. He Austin was probably pretty pissed off this weekend.
1: I think he's checked out like everyone else.
2: <laughs> oh God.
1: Um yeah, he,
2: he Austin didn't have much to say this weekend. Uh man. It's – I keep saying this, but I cannot remember a time since I have followed on this baseball where this many people were pissed off. Like, even in 11 and 17, people just knew, like, hey, it is what it is. Um, you know, in 17, you have the big money classes as, as, as freshmen after losing. i got a lot of guys in 2016, so your freshmen have to start immediately. Um, and then 2011, you had lost a guy like Drew Pomerantz and a guy like Aaron Barrett who both pitched in Major League Baseball and you didn't have the rotation to fill it. Um, and this year, like this, I'll say this, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this is the first year since 2008 that Mike will have underachieved in the regular season. Is is that fair? Because I can't really recall, look, 2019 didn't go exactly like we thought it would. Um, but getting the number 12 national seeds, not an underachievement. Um, this is the first time I can really, really recall them underachieving in the regular season, uh, since 2008.
1: Yeah. Like massively. Yes. Because like, what do you, what do you, what do you consider 2019? Sure. Uh,
2: but when you know you what know I mean, three, like sure.
1: marginal. Yeah. I get what you mean.
2: I guess 2013 with wall and uh, Myers, but still that team could hit. Um, but this is the first time over a 56 game stretch, they have not come close to what they were supposed to be under him. Um, which, and, and which is not me saying, Hey, this won't happen again. Everybody should be fine and keep Mike. It's no. It's this is an indictment um, because this is the first time that you look at this program and guys aren't being developed um, and guys are regressing uh, This is that's the first time I can look at this program and, and see um, a trend of, of players not getting better and, in fact, someone getting worse uh, during their ten years at Ole Miss.
1: Yep, and then you get into this and saying on the topic of Mike as well. You know, we've mentioned a couple of times this year to where it's like, hey, you know, it's not really his fault. They just kind of stink. Well, now you've had a couple weekends in a row where he hasn't helped them at all, and there's no, like, case in point. You're in a tough Sunday game today to where, like, you know, if you can somehow take this series, you're still very much alive to make it in the postseason and actually giving yourself a a decent chance. And, what, they're up three to two, I guess, there in the fifth or sixth or whatever it was. And he continues to leave Derek Diamond in – despite ample sample size, that that's not – I mean, like that he can pretty much give you one time through the order, maybe a time and a half. Then you got to get him out of there. And, you know, I mean, in fairness, I would have probably gotten him out of there in the third when Arkansas hit the first two yep. run, run. And, you know, to his credit, he battles back out of that, puts up a zero in the fourth, and Mike leaves him in to give up another two-run shot in the fifth, and those were Arkansas's all-total runs for the day. Like the guy – there's a large sample size about exactly what he gives you as a pitcher at this point, and, you know, the, the manager's ignoring it. And I don't really understand that. What do you think the justification for it is? I can't find one because it's not like they're okay. stolen arms in the pen at that point because what delicious we hey, gave them on Friday.
2: That's, that's exactly where I was going to go. Um, it's not like you didn't have your full bullpen available outside of maybe Doherty. Um, last week against Mississippi State, I could understand it a little bit more because it was like, hey, um, he's going to get hit around some. But uh, who else would y'all like to come get these out? Because we ain't got anybody else. Um, so, if he gives up five and five, well, the offense needs to be good enough to figure that out. I could understand it a little more last week. This week was unacceptable. Um, you had John Gaddis, You had Brandon Johnson. You had Josh Mallet, You had Jackson Campbell, And you could say, well, those guys haven't been – okay. But, like, there's not sample sizes that say they can't make it through the first time of the order. He – I've got to go do this. I have got to go pull his stats the second time through, but I just know from watching this it's bad. Um, they look, he's got two pitches that he throws with confidence. I don't really think he's got much of a change up. Good luck getting through an SC lineup with two pitches um, that you can throw with confidence. It's uh never mind the fact that the fastball has very, very little life on it. Um, I don't know. It's 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 mind jarring that, you know, we're what, seven weeks into SEC play and that everybody that follows Ole Miss baseball knows what's going to happen uh, when Derek Diamond goes through the second time of the order and then it happens and Mike's still like, well, we're going to keep rolling. Um, it, is, it is mind-boggling for sure. And you could get something out of him. He could be a vol- valuable commodity. He could get you two clean innings to start the game. You could just Johnny Holstaff the game on Saturday or Sunday, uh, whichever role you felt that that would be best in. Uh, but Mike just refuses to take that value and, and essentially screws it up.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, it's. it's I think Chase pointed it out today. It's like it's not even really his fault. Like, no, yes, it's not his fault. It's the kid that hung the breaking ball, but it, we, you know exactly what he is. Uh, Nick Suss actually did uh, that in a way for you. I'll just outline exactly the way he put it. As of three weeks ago, Derek Diamond had a 2.61 ERA the first time through the order and a 10.67 the second and third times through. Since that, I guess that's when Suss had made a note of it the first time. That feels very South carolina when he gave up the three-run home run. Sure. Just to guess. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's been a long year. Since that point, he's allowed one run to 27 first-time batters and 11 runs to 37 second- and third-time batters. So, actually, really about the same, I guess. It's, 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 it's there, and that's a large sample size.
2: It's ridiculous at this point. Um that that they just keep letting him run back out there. And it's not no, it's not his fault. Um you can get as mad as you want at Derek Diamond. The kid is what he is. You're asking him to do something that he right now does not have the repertoire to do. Um that's on one person and, and that's the guy that wears number five in the dugout. Um I, I hate to be that way, but it is. Um and and I get it. Like you don't have anybody else. That's also your fault. Um so I, I don't know it's he's not helping himself that's for sure it's it's Look, the kids are continuing to play hard I thought by this point in time if they were this bad they would have given up that's what kind of sucks they haven't given up they keep fighting um but they're just not good enough and they're not developed enough and they're not skilled enough to to win these games
1: yep you're exactly right in that sense and I don't really get it either I just like i I know we probably won't get asked about it directly just for a myriad of different reasons, but like, I just wonder like, if, like if he had to answer the question and you just corner him in a room, it's like, why do you continue to leave him in there? I guess he'd probably go with the, well, who else do we have excuse? Like we need to start, we need to get linked, but that situation, you know, at least three of the last four times it's happened, you, you really don't. And that's what I don't necessarily understand about it. And so now this team sits at seven and 14 in the league They're, I mean, look, now it's a last week we did the obituary and then they won the Friday night game. And I was talking to Chase on Saturday and I was like, Am I going to end up regretting the fact that we did the the whole like, it's over his legacy and all that last week? And Chase is like, Yeah, probably not. But, you know, they're still mathematically in it. Now it's pretty much a mathematical impossibility. What you're talking about nine games left going seven and two. This team has not won a series since the Kentucky series since March. You got Missouri who just walked off A&M to – excuse me, who just walked State. off Mississippi State to really put a, a dent in state's postseason chances. Road series at uh, LSU, like they're not – this team's clearly not going 7-2 and two to get to that 14-16 and 16 mark. I don't think they'll come close. The only debate left is do they beat out Missouri and Kentucky to get to Hoover and as I said earlier, like I don't think it matters. And so before we get to the actual mathematical part of it and, like, what they have left to play for, if anything, if they – I mean, how many Sunday game threes in a row have they had where if they had just won, I'm thinking Alabama, South Carolina, State, and then now this one, that's four in a row where they're still – Okay, if they win half of them, okay, not great. I'm talking about having a realistic chance to make the postseason. If they just win two of those, and that's really become this team's identity where the opportunity is there for the taking and they just haven't done it, whether it's Alicia giving them a chance on game one and them squandering it the rest of the series or you know, situational hitting late in games or just being in it late and not finding a way to win. This team does not capitalize on opportunities. They squander them professionally. They are very good at that.
2: Yeah, nobody's made the least out of the most quite like Ole Miss baseball this year. That's for sure. Um, yeah, no, look, they've lost three Sunday games in a row – or I shouldn't say Sunday, three game threes in a row by one run. Went, went two of those, and, and this is a totally different conversation. Now, um, from the macro perspective, it's probably not a totally different conversation, but it is And that, like, hey, you're probably going to make the NCAA tournament. And, hey, look, if this team was to make the NCAA tournament, you got a dude that can go win you a game, then all of a sudden, well, hell, you're one win away from almost, you know, assuredly advancing to the postseason. Don't tell me about Tennessee Tech, I get it. Um, or, excuse me, advancing to the Super Regionals. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, this team, if it got in a regional, and I don't think it is, um, the guy that they're going to trot out there in Dylan delusia gives you a real, real opportunity to put yourself in a position to win a regional. Um, but, and and that's the conversation we would be having. But now it's like, well, how in the world are they going to make the s e c tournament not the NCAA regionals um it's bad it's really bad and and you know i don't look i guess the, the good news is is you know and and obviously we know what's surrounding this program right now, but um the good news is with the transfer portal the way it is you can you can fix this problem pretty quickly, but you're gonna have to have somebody that makes sure that they get that done because um you know, it's 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 at this point, it's a lack of talent. Um, when when you continually play as hard as Ole Miss is playing and you can't win the game, well, then it's talent and coaching. Um, and and you're probably going to have to fix both of those if you want to get where you want to be in 2023.
1: Oh, uh, they're absolutely going to have to fix both of them, and I think they will. And look, you know, as we as we wind down on this Mike Bianco his time at Ole Miss it's been what the age old debate of how many years have we had it does he deserve to be fired does he not deserve to be fired this is about as crystal clear like at least it'll come and there's probably no debate about it right 22 years at time and then finally a lack of talent and missed evaluations has failed him and has uh cost him his gig like you know what i mean like yeah. it, it seems fair and pretty straightforward at this point other than it just being kind of a uh I guess, kind of a borderline thing to where you have a debate about it. Like I, right now, I feel there's no uh, doubt, if that makes sense. No,
2: there, there, there's not. Um, look, I, for 21 years, uh, never wanted almost to fire Mike Bianco, and, and people can tell me I'm wrong and we can disagree, and that's fine. Um, but this is the first time in, in his tenure that I thought, okay, it's time. It's um, and it is. I mean, it's look, they, can, they, can they turn this around mathematically? Sure. Um, but if you look at this team and them continually coming up short, you expect them to go 7-2 uh, and two or, or have some magical run in Hoover. Um, the more power to you because I don't think that. Um, and, and I try to think of myself as one of the more optimistic fans when it comes to Ole Miss baseball. But um, I, I, I can't look at this team and think that it, this is going to end in any other way than I'm either messing, missing the SEC tournament or uh, losing a 9-30 game to, like, freaking, I don't know, LSU or something um, on a Tuesday in Hoover, um, which would be sort of ironic. Um, but, yeah, I don't uh, – yeah, it's it's as bad as it's been. Um, you can talk about missed evaluations, talent, um, or whatever. But, yeah, it's crystal clear as it's ever going to be. Um, and, you know, I don't know what's in Keith Carter's head. I have no insight. But I have a tough time believing that, that if this doesn't get turned around and no miss doesn't go on some magical run that – uh, there won't be somebody else in the dugout um, next year. I don't have any insight on that. It just kind of seems like at this point it seems like a foregone conclusion.
1: It's time, and there's really no debate to be had um, about it. And one thing I'd like to get to though is the Tiger kid that kind of shoved it to him two days in a row. He was from Hernando. Did he go to Lewisville, where North Mississippi?
2: Lewisburg, Lewisburg,
1: Lewisburg. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, they could have used him. Like what? Yeah.
2: Now, I know, look, I know his, some his people Arkansas are saying
1: – Legacy, right? The dad went yeah. to Anderson State or something. But uh, the fact that he wasn't, like, offered was kind of interesting. Maybe it's just a well, not waste your time situation, but, like – Did uh, you see the quote? Uh, no, I did not. What was it? There was a quote um,
2: from uh, – on Arkansas website that said – let's see. Um, uh, I'm trying to find it. One week after receiving an offer from Arkansas, uh, he referred to Tiger – uh, attended Mississippi State camp and left with a second offer. Despite living about an hour away from the Ole Miss campus, he never garnered the Rebels' attention. I think it'll be pretty cool if he gets the chance to pitch against Ole Miss and maybe it will mean a little extra to him, James Josh Tigert said of, his week, of this week's series at Bombardier Stadium. Sounded like a kid that wants an Ole Miss offer um, to me. Maybe I'm an idiot, but sounded like a kid that maybe would have appreciated an Ole Miss offer.
1: Yeah, just even the interest. That's uh, That's pretty crazy to me. Um, and then you mentioned, look, I mean, then hindsight's twenty twenty, and I don't pretend to know anything about, but Josh Day is the uh is the Mizzou's uh shortstop, isn't it? Yeah. That's just
2: – Little little different there. He uh, he kind of blew up in JUCO. But yeah, I mean that, that, he's a he's a kid that's from Mississippi that, that Ole Miss and State. Um and I don't really think Southern Miss really wanted and and he's had a really good two years at Missouri and will find himself playing professional baseball. So yeah, when you consider, you know, the missed evaluation, when you look at those two over the past two weeks, it kinda of makes it sting a little bit even more.
1: Did they make Hoover?
2: Yeah, I think. No. No. No, actually I'm gonna go no, 'cause I I don't know like I can't convince myself. I don't think they're gonna win the series this weekend.
1: That's so what it could right?
2: Yeah. So how how do they how do they make Hoover if they lose the series? No, I don't think it is.
1: I uh, I think they miss Hoover as well. What a uh, what a catastrophic wow. failure! Yeah, we
2: always knew this. We always knew this was about making or missing a tournament when it came into this year. It just wasn't the
1: SEC one. That's a good point. We talked about making or missing the. <laughs> well, it actually wasn't because we talked all year about can they be a national seed or whatever, and all that. I'm not even sure it was about making or missing a tournament. It's about where they'd be playing their home. with their last game you know, come before Omaha come at home. Uh hey, to- well, in fairness, their last game will be at Swayze Field, I think. I was about to say, you beat me to it. Their last game will be at Swayze Field, so checkmate. Um, I don't think they make Hoover either, and I think it will be a uh, a pretty stunning and uh, somber end to the, uh, an era. Um, that was largely good, and we talked about all that last week. We don't have to go into the Mike Bianco thing again. Uh, there, are uh, you know, uh, there'll be more time for that as they progress. But another missed opportunity for Ole Miss to where they really, really I – mean, they were like two swings away from a sweep. I know that sounds crazy, but that's the, the reality. If you have one that, hit in the – But it's Saturday, been that
2: way for three weeks, right?
1: Yep. I mean, you have one hit in the seventh or ninth inning on Saturday and one hit really in the seventh or ninth inning today. You probably win – you probably take three games, and then you're talking about a ridiculously different conversation. You're 9-12 and 12 with Missouri at home. Thinking yeah.
2: It's like, oh, well, you, you just swept at Arkansas. Time. Well, what can you do to Missouri? Yeah. But exactly. They because I mean, they're not very good.
1: No, and that's that's what continues to be proven time and time again. And I don't know how many other different ways there are to say it. Let's take a look around the Southeastern Conference this weekend. because. Ooh, start with Tennessee, I have opinions. Yeah, okay, let's just go there because that's really the only reason I want to do this exercise. They take two of three um, from Auburn. Auburn gets the middle game good on them. Auburn hits a go-ahead home run in the ninth inning in the Saturday game to take a game there. Good competitive series. Tennessee's just really good. But uh, the storyline continues to be Tony Vitello coming off of a four-game suspension for bumping an umpire. Um, So Auburn hits the go-ahead home run. Uh, Who would have thought? Guys get super excited when they hit a go-ahead home run to beat the number one team in the country. The guy has a bat flip. The bat takes a weird bounce off the ground and skirts towards the Tennessee dugout. Look, Probably a little too close. I could see how someone would kind of, if you're in the Tennessee dugout, roll their eyes and be like, eh, whatever, don't love that. But if you're Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't get to do that. I was about to say, you're the last person that does that. Uh, Vitello walks out of the dugout, and as Auburn celebrating, just slings the bat at the Auburn dugout with a bunch of players outside the dugout. I won't do the clutching pearls, what if he hit someone in the head thing? But I can't say it didn't cost in the back of my mind. What a maniac move. Like, what in the world?
2: He's going to get fired at some point for doing something stupid. He will not be fired for losing baseball games, but he is going to cross the line in such a way that Tennessee is like, uh, at some point this is absurd. Um, No, this guy's an insane maniac man-child thing. Look, he's comprised a roster of, of really, really good baseball players, the best in the country. Um, and, and he deserves credit for that. But two things can be true at once. He's also a maniac, and immature, and a man child. Um, and and I, I, it's unacceptable. Like, like I would get it. not let me rephrase. I could have a little bit more patience if that was South Carolina, or Auburn, or Georgia. You don't get to do that crap if you're Tennessee. You're the you're the team that talks crap to opposing fans. And that look, do whatever you want to do. But you could give it out like that. You better, by God, be prepared to take it a little bit. Um, no, it's look. I, I have no use for that baseball team. They have quickly become one of my very, my most hated baseball teams. I, I used to could not stand Vanderbilt, um, and I still really can't. But I will root for against nobody like our root against Tennessee when the postseason rolls. It's just soft as shit, man
1: it just feels like the definition of like new money in college baseball to where it's like, all right, they're having a ridiculous season, but they don't know how to act. And I'm very, very anti don't have fun, play the game the right way. <laughs> not be further from the truth. But like, even I think I found Tony Vitello to be not necessarily my cup of tea, but kind of an entertaining figure for a while. Um, even to the point where I, and he bumped the umpire and I was like, well, you can't do that. That's not a great look. But then he, he does like the chest bumps on campus, and I think there was like some money for charity involved. And it's like okay, like he realized he crossed the line. Like guys trying to make light of it, you know. Maybe some people didn't like it, whatever. But like this incident this weekend, if you go watch the video, if you're out there listening and haven't seen it and don't know what we're talking about, it's just evolved into really honestly like very childish and loser behavior, and. Again, the bat flip, you don't have to love it, but Tennessee's got the least room to talk in terms of liking or not liking something. And I'll tell you, if you watch the video closely, he's mad that they – it has nothing to do with the bat flip because he's mad that the guy hung a pitch and it's a home run. And you know how I know that? If you watch the video closely, the kid bat flips it. I actually accidentally just tried to play that video on loud. The kid bat flips it, and before the bat hits the ground, it took one bounce still – so Tennessee has one of those uh, crap like turf fields to where it's like fake green grass and then like fake dirt for I'd say about another 12 feet before you get to each dugout. It took a bounce on the green part. So like right around the first base coach's box, if you're talking about the depth between the first baseline and the dugout, and then took a bounce towards the Tennessee dugout. Before that bat had taken hitting the ground and taking the bounce, Vitello was already walking out of the dugout to go grab it. So to me, that says that had very little to do with the bat flip and him just trying to find an excuse to, I guess, have like a roid rage moment. Like that wasn't about the bat flip coming too close to their dugout. He was out of the dugout going to pick it up before it had come to rest. Yeah,
2: he was. He was just going. He was looking to go insane because he got his feelings hurt because they were going to lose. Um, what do yeah, you do? pretty much.
1: Then he slings it back at the Auburn dugout while they're outside of the dugout celebrating and going just kind of apeshit, to be honest and rightfully so. But, like, I'll put it to you this way. I guess Tony Vatel is, like, known as, like, the younger hothead guy. Would your jaw have dropped if, like, Mike Bianco or Dave Van Horn had done that? What if you saw Mike Bianco come out of the dugout and sling a bat back across home plate at an opponent? Like, would you not – I guess would you not – would it not be hard to, like, not believe your eyes? Like, would you like, did I really yeah, no. witness that to where I didn't bat an eye when I saw this. I was like, oh, this guy is at it again. That's how jarring it was.
2: Well, well, Mike, Mike and, and and most coaches that aren't clinically insane um, are pretty much proponents of I'll coach my team, you do what your team does, needs to do. Um, and And Mike defends his kids, but no, he's not – look. That, that that's the type of stuff that, that's not going to upset him. Because Mike knows his team talks, too. When they hit a home run, they backflip. Like, you don't – have y'all seen Tim Elko hit a home run this year? Um, I, I don't know. It's – Vitello's soft, man. He's really, really soft. And um, I tell you what, I, I, I really, really hope – I don't know if you saw this. I hope that legislation passes where they're going to open up full scholarships for uh, college baseball. Because let me tell you, Tennessee will go back to being irrelevant pretty, pretty quickly. Um, if Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Auburn and Alabama can compete uh, at the same level as everyone else, as far as giving out scholarships.
1: Yep. I, uh, I agree with you there. And uh, yeah, just, I don't know. I'm kind of with you. Like I, I won't have a dog in the fight when it comes to college baseball post-season in terms of just like watching a team and like having to, you know, pay attention to it from the end. So I'll just be kind of sit back and watching. Uh, I will definitely be actively rooting against um, whoever, tennessee is playing throughout because i just find that to be really stupid behavior um let's go around how about the most what do you think the most shocking result of the weekend was
2: okay i'll be completely honest with you i don't um know every result Um, that's okay
1: what if i told you south carolina swept alabama and they're now nine and twelve i
2: did know that happened because i saw a little bit of the game saturday morning um and and they mentioned alabama won or south carolina won the first two yeah, good for the game, Cox Kennison. Uh, not Kennison. Uh, what's that? King, I don't can't remember the coach Kingston name. or whatever. Uh, Kingston, sure. Uh, trying to keep his job, so um, good for him. They uh, they played hard. Alabama's not near as good as they looked that weekend in Oxford, that's for sure.
1: No, and they're going to be on sweating it to make the postseason too. I mean, look, you they entered that weekend nine and nine thinking, man, if you get two and we're you know, eleven and ten with nine games left. Like you know, we're we're in pretty solid shape now. They're nine and twelve and really, really sweating it. That's a that's a season changing season to find yeah. again for uh, the Crimson Tide there. Yeah. Um, Kentucky played. I'll be honest with you. I can't even find who they. But they had Kentucky
2: play played four. Florida,
1: and they uh, they lost two out of three.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Auburn, I think they yeah. won today. The yeah. They ended off a sweep, whatever. Florida's okay. fighting for their NCAA tournament life, but hey, they did what they had uh, to do. Texas A&M
2: wins the series against
1: Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt's not very good. No, they stink too. They'll make the tournament, but they'll be kind of weak. Either I'm uh, definitely not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sweat too much about having Vanderbilt in a regional if I was if no. I was a uh, host team. Well,
2: this is not a your old old school Vanderbilt for sure. Uh-
1: LSU takes two or three from Georgia. That felt like a big series for LSU. Don't look now, but I don't know how good the Tigers are, but they're 12 and nine and they have everything to play for hosting opportunity. Georgia, just tough weekend. They're 12 and nine, too. Both teams are still in decent spots. Yeah, we yeah, kind of held serve there at home. Yeah,
2: no, LSU is pretty solid. Um, I don't foresee the Rebels heading to Baton Rouge and winning, too. I'll say that.
1: Uh, I don't either. Um, and then you had Mississippi State take loses two or three. They destroy them in the thir- uh, Friday night game. And then they lose the back to that's a really, really costly series for Mississippi State. If you had to make me probably play, does them in. Yeah, I was about to say if you had to make me put money on it now, they're nine and twelve, but they have a much higher RPI than like an old Mississippi.
2: Well, they're they're nine and twelve, but they're really nine and fifteen because Tennessee's gonna sweep them.
1: Yeah, exactly. You got Tennessee down the pipe. I would uh I would lean now that they do not make the postseason, which uh kind of shocking, I guess, after they uh you know win the national championship last year. Next year was supposed to be their rebuild year, so That'll be an interesting offseason in uh next season for state as well unless they are able to turn it around i think that was all the results this weekend um you know as we look at these every week you know outside of tennessee and i think arkansas is pretty good but old miss as we just outlined were you know a couple swings away from sweeping them that's what makes it uh i would imagine tougher to swallow for old miss fans to where this league isn't exactly a bear this year it was a bunch of average slightly above average teams and if you wanted to go on a you know 19 and 11 run and this be the year where you really take command and you play home baseball all the way through Omaha, this was there for the taking. And to say this team has not met the mark would be the understatement of the century. Yeah,
2: no, it, it just would have been a good year. Um, when you talk about getting Kentucky and Missouri, it, it, you know, it's in South Carolina, it's would have been the year. And, and uh unfortunately Ole Miss did not make it happen. Um, you know, we, we mentioned they're mathematically still alive, but again, anyone that thinks this team is going to go on some run and make the NCAA tournament again, more power to you. I can't be that optimistic.
1: I mean, look, they're they have three series left, and they are three losses, not series losses. They are three losses away from it, like literally being mathematically eliminated. You know, if there was yeah. a chance to be revived and come back to life, you find a way to steal one of the last two in uh, Fayetteville and they just time and time again were not able to do it again they're going to struggle to make Hoover and I don't think they lean I don't think they make Hoover so anyway what a wild wild uh season honestly it, it's it's May 1st and it feels like the like our season wrap-up conclusion but uh this has been Colin Brister I appreciate the time dude we'll check back in at some point I don't know when or what or what the news will be at that point but uh we'll play it by ear and I uh, I appreciate the time as always sounds good my man All right, that's our show. If you made it to the end, I appreciate you making us a part of your day. We'll be back at it in the uh, midweek in some capacity. Probably going to hold off on the uh, twice-a-week baseball content. I know I keep saying that. We didn't do the preview last week, but, uh, I mean, this team's fighting over. I don't think anyone wants us to hear hear us break down Missouri's rotation and what it means for the Rebels. So, we'll have uh, a couple different things in the midweek, maybe some NIL stuff. Uh, some more football and perhaps a draft recap as well. So got a couple of different things in the works. I think you'll enjoy them. Have a great start to your week. Thanks for listening. And we will catch you on Wednesday. Whether
3: you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.